Life Audio. Welcome to Christian Natural Health with naturopathic Dr. Lauren DeVille. Christian Natural Health is the podcast on how to get and stay healthy God's way. You'll hear topics on nutrition, exercise, sleep, avoiding toxicity, meditating on scripture, what supplements to take, stress management, defeating anxiety and worry, how to reconcile Eastern medicine approaches with Christianity, and a whole lot more. Now, here's your host, Dr. Lauren. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now, 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now, 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. Welcome back to another episode of Christian Natural Health. Today, I'm excited to have Dr. Ardashir Maran. Uh, He is a psychologist, behavioral researcher, business leader, and leadership coach with a doctorate and master's from Columbia University. He's a keynote speaker, a marathon runner, and the author of the book, You Are Not Depressed, You Are Unfinished. For 30 years, he has been on a quest to pinpoint what depression and anxiety actually are, why they persist, and why executives and high achievers have such high levels of depression and anxiety. His science-based work shows how to use depression and anxiety to live a soaring life instead of allowing them to use you. He lives in the Bay Area in San Francisco with his family. Welcome, Dr. Moran. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much, Dr. Deville. I'm so happy to be here and honored and I look forward to a great exchange of information and sharing. Thank yes, you. so do I, absolutely. So tell us a little bit about your background. What got you into this area of depression, anxiety research? Great, thank you. So uh, I went to graduate school to become a psychologist and um, I got a doctorate with triple majors and I have four masters, embarrassing to say that, and my undergraduate, a double major. I wasn't after credential. I was trying to solve a problem. That why was my mother hurting so much? Why was my dad hurting so much? Why was always hurting so much emotionally? You know, when you're stressed, especially depressed, part of you is dead and you just know it, but you don't know what to do with it. So really I was there. Why is mom hurting so much? Mm -hmm. And when I graduated, I start to believe that we psychologists actually we don't get things. We make things up. Yeah. <laughs> I, I know a lot of psychologists get you know ticked off at me. So why are you saying that? I feel we love theories. We fall in love with the theories, and I became a master. I taught graduate program courses, but I feel we don't see the patient or the person in front of us. Mm-hmm. We always see them through the lens of different. Um, clinicians, Freud, Jung, Adler, so on, versus see the person. So I quit being a therapist, and I went to corporate environment. I said, I'm done with this. Let me go to the work, world of work, become an executive, make a lot of money, which I did. Yeah. 
And the world was keep coming back to me. I was keep guided. So people would start you know, from when I was in my 20s. And people says, Arishi, can I speak with you? Close the door. I want to tell you something. I want to get your opinion about something. So I start to have two types of meetings, meetings that they were on my calendar mm-hmm. and meetings that they were never booked, but it was private. Mm-hmm. And so people were telling me about their lives, their hurt, some the, the agony they had, and they were lost and they were given labels. Mm-hmm. Their, the drugs they were taking, infidelity, and how they felt hurtful. Wow. These people were executives. Mm-hmm. Some of the best of the best, you know, like coming from the, some, the Ivy League school. And I was just thinking, what is going on? Mm-hmm. And so I was keep ignoring that and keep life is bringing me back. More people came to me, more people came to me. And I was thinking, I don't want to do therapy. I don't want to do, I give advice. <laughs> I don't want to do therapy. The whole thing came to a head for me. And people who've been with depression, with depression, they know this. And I discussed this in um, my book um, um, that in this summer of 2012, I just reached to the end of my life. And I feel that I'm dead. I have nothing left inside. I just felt I was like a, I would tell, like a slab of concrete mm-hmm. that from outside, I was smiling, running marathon, life of the party. People want to be around me, getting promoted. And I was telling my wife, I love you. And I couldn't feel love. I was holding my son. I love you. I couldn't feel anything. Mm-hmm. So that year started to pray from the new year. God, I'm done. Take me out. I have nothing. I cannot see myself going through life. Mm-hmm. In August of 2012, third Sunday, there was an epiphany. And I, I still get choked up, you know. Yeah. Our life found me, and um, <clears throat> so I Sunday mornings I get up and journal always at six in the morning. Go to the kitchen, the cup of coffee, black coffee, and journal. You know, just it's my time. Or everybody's you know, the house is quiet, okay. and I start to ask a different question. This yeah. this question came from really, you know, like says that he's ready. Let's give him the question. Instead of asking, how do I heal depression? How do I heal anxiety? I ask, what is depression? Mm. What is anxiety? Mm, Okay. Suddenly, the whole world changed in front of my eyes. So if you've seen, there was a movie about 10, 12 years ago, Beautiful Mind by Russell Crowe and Jennifer Connelly. That there's a scene that uh, Russell Crowe go to Pentagon and there's a wall of numbers. These are all Russian uh, electronic transmission trying to decipher. There are patterns here. What does it mean? Mm-hmm. So then I start to see faces of my patients, executives, my mother, all people throughout my life that they talked about their sorrow, their angst, their, their hurt. And I realized that they were telling us stories. Mm-hmm. There were patterns to the stories. The stories had chapters. There were structure to that. It wasn't just suffering. There was something about their suffering. And I started that Sunday, started to doodle. I'm a doodler. You know, I write. And, and I felt they were telling a story of something lost. And I realized that day that depression 
is sense of grieving, mm-hmm. sense of longing that things that have gone off track for us in life. And you know it, souls know it, and you want to get back to base. Mm-hmm. Anxiety is about sense of control, stability, and predictability. Mm-hmm. Depression and anxiety go hand in hand. And then once I saw that, I was able to finish the work that I, this is the essence of my book about the Bill of Emotional Rights, that we don't get depressed. When we are depressed, it means certain experiences for us did not happen mm-hmm. fully the way we want. Mm-hmm. And once we know what those are, go and restore them. Anytime in your life, reconstruct them. Mm-hmm. And so I start to bring myself from oblivion at that day mm-hmm. forward. Mm-hmm. And what happens, and I tell people, once you know what you're depressed about, what you're anxious about, you can actually go create the life you want. Mm-hmm. Your depression is your soul SOS signal to you. Mm-hmm. It's asking you to wake up and claim yourself. And once you do that, and I tell people, you experience this, mm-hmm. you will wake up one day, you're not depressed, you are pissed, you don't want to waste time anymore. Yeah, you don't want to be in the shadows anymore. You, you still have a lot of work to do things to figure out But this is your life, mm-hmm. get up and live it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's awesome. So and the emotional bill of rights that you alluded to, can you yeah. tell us more about that? Yeah, what? yeah, that's right. That's right. Thank you. So uh, as I start to listen to those, all those individuals, hundreds and hundreds, and then I um, back that up by going to back to all my science, all the way to biblical studies, to Greek philosophy, they've been all around us. Nobody put them together. Yeah. So there are seven emotional rights. They've been with humans all throughout the ages, societies, eras, and they are cradle to grave. Everybody has them. So the first one is sense of I belong. Mm-hmm. It's a starting from the attachment to mother or caregiver that the very first experience we have, somebody welcomes us to this world. Mm-hmm. Is this skin to skin, eye to eye, smell, touch, sense that we feel I belong here. Mm-hmm. And that belonging lasts a lifetime. Mm-hmm. And that sense of I belong, that I'm somebody sees me, loves me, and I love back. Mm-hmm. And as you go through life, first with mother, is that attachment, separation, and independence. Mm -hmm. Many people, we don't have data on this, many people struggle with unformed attachment bonds. Mm -hmm. In fact, we know from research, and I had the post on LinkedIn, folks can see that, I challenge that we think attention deficit disorder is not actually attention, is attachment deficit disorder. so, So some of my clients, they come to me, once you know what, we think is distractibility, busy mind. Once you listen to them, these are seeking the sense of nervous system and finding themselves. They are missing some basically human experience. Number one. Mm-hmm. Number two, I so that was I belong. The next, next one is I'm boundless. We humans, since the time of industrial revolution, we became talking heads. Our brain gets transported by train, by cars, <laughs> so on. But we forget we have a body. We are biological being. So we don't appreciate that when we think, 
fully, we actually think with our entire body. We feel our thinking. We yeah. sense our thinking. We know from research, when you do focus group, when, when you're in a brainstorming sessions, if you ask people to get up, move around the room, give them a pen, the quality and quantity of the thinking is better versus just sit there and, you know, and just, you know, verbalize. Yeah. In nature, we've forgotten to be in nature. Yeah. We've forgotten how to use our body with expression. So instead of saying, I love you, versus show me your love with your eyes, with your smile. So mm-hmm. I'm boundless about using your experience of humanity, your totality. Mm-hmm. Next one is I'm complete. Mm-hmm. I'm complete about we, many of us, including me, we were stuck from our past traumas. Mm-hmm. earth and the past experiences what we don't fully appreciate and this is what the science tells us right now there's a difference between remembering an experience versus experiencing an experience mm-hmm. brain remembers events that happen brain doesn't think brain does brain doesn't uh, feel anything it's the body Mm-hmm. Body feels the emotion. Emotions always in the body only lives in the moment. Body has no sense of time. So I'm complete is that learning the skill of if your body has trauma, it means your body is still waiting to finish something that didn't get to finish. A scream or expression or a movement or an action. So your body is waiting to complete something. Mm-hmm. And so all the notes, so the way that I do therapy has changed over the years. Instead of talk therapy, which I used to do, when clients come to me these days and they have a sense of energy, tension, or angst, or, or trauma, the, if you see from me, Dr. DeVille, you see there's a space. We actually act it out. Mm-hmm. Show me what it looks like. Show me your Katy Perry's I roar. You know, like show me your anger, your emotions, sure. so that you claim yourself. Mm-hmm. I'm complete. It means that you claim your space, your life, your emotion at this moment. Mm-hmm. The next one is I matter. Mm-hmm. I matter is the es- essence that by you being in this world at this time, mm-hmm. dignity, honor, and respect is bestowed upon you. Whether you live uptown, mm-hmm. downtown, you live in this state or that state, in this country, that country, you're at the table. Mm-hmm. Many people, just if you work we go to any community center, go to corporate environment. Many people enter the world of an office or a building or conference room. Nobody turns around and see them. Mm-hmm. They are invisible. Mm-hmm. This is about being seen, being respected, invited at the table. People call your name, shake your hand. Mm-hmm. What we know from research, all these mass shootings, the majority of these individuals are unseen. When you talk with your, that the act of rage of killing and being killed is, is the last act of somebody notice me. Being unseen is the heart of being like, you know, I matter. I matter is a very fundamental. You belong in the community of people. Yeah. Next one is I work. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, I make. Mm-hmm. This is about whatever you do in this world. You know, like, you know, you, everybody's doing something. Mm-hmm. but majority of the people they do it to pay the bill mm-hmm. because they have obligation and that's good mm-hmm. find the work profession whatever it is 
but it's yours. Mm -hmm. It's your voice, it's your action. So my loop, I went and became a corporate guy. I was good at it, but it wasn't my work. Mm -hmm. So I took 30 years to do this research coming back. I was born to be a healer. Now these days I'm, I'm a healer. I don't goof around. I don't do anything else. And people says, great, great opening here. Do you want to be a senior vice president? I said, love you. No more. This is my work. I love that money. I'm not making that money. Doesn't matter. Money will come. Yeah. This is my work. Right. I, I'm doing it fully. So invitation is mm-hmm. find out what you are made to do mm-hmm. and do that. Mm-hmm. The next right is I am. This is the most fascinating one. Mm-hmm. In fact, this many women struggle with this. This is about your soul voice. Since the time we are young children, we are told, use your words, uh, don't be fidgety, put your hands down, trying to act like a good girl, good boy. We all express our ways in certain, certain pitch, certain expressions, certain movement. And we learn to be a good girls and good boys. Mm-hmm. And not only that, we are told to hold emotions back. Use your brain. Be very selective. So I start to notice this almost 10 years ago, that senior leader, female leader would come to me, and I would notice their voice. It was rather monotone. They were talking about tension at work with their family, with their children. It was rather monotone business reporting out. Mm-hmm. And then there was another thing they would talk about the tightness around their shoulder, their neck, their jaws, thyroid problems. Yeah. And then I would listen to their voice. It was a sense of the raspiness. Mm-hmm. I would ask them, I would invite them to just sit in their bodies and let the voice come out and then practice even expressing your voice mm-hmm. and then mentioning what was in the on their mind mm-hmm. this is about finding the power of your soul projected through your voice this is how you become how you claim your space yeah. okay. this brings tear to the people that's oh my gosh this is me this is me and then you feel yourself bigger you feel your space mm-hmm. the last one it is they all go together but not this order is i soar Mm-hmm. There is a statement by Maya Angelou that says, there is no greater agony than bearing an untold story inside you. Mm-hmm. An untold story. Eight billion people, eight billion story. Mm-hmm. So when people come work with me, I tell them, what is your story? People say, they become executive. This, that. I said, that's not your story. There's a different story. You are on this earth to do something. Mm-hmm. Everybody has a hero's journey. Mm-hmm. And sometimes your pain, your struggle, your hurt, just like mine, are guiding you to your story. Mm-hmm. Everybody has a story. And it actually is not hard. You're already in it. You're just not noticing it. Mm-hmm. You're swimming in it. You don't have to go to Maui to take vacation with a bottle of champagne to figure that you're already inside your story. You just need to live differently, that your story will liberate you, will take you to a different place. My story is to shift the mental health field from a diagnosis oriented to, to illness. We get illness backwards. 
Mm-hmm. We're trying to remedicate to basically treat treat people, um, and we see illnesses as almost standalone um, experiences. Mm-hmm. That's the reason we are not coming out of this depression. Almost every mental illness, we go to treat therapy year after year. No, we're solving the symptoms, not healing the person. Amen. That's my story. That's my story. And the, the, what will be on my grave, I know this, and I discussed it with my wife. Ardashir Mehran helped discover the, the cure for depression and ease the pain of millions. Mm. That's why I was born. I know it now. So those, the seven needs are I belong. I'm complete, I'm boundless, I am, I make, mm-hmm. and I soar. Mm-hmm. Awesome. So specifically with like, so let's start with I belong, for example, that idea of having the emotional connection and the oneness. But what happens if somebody is isolated and alone? What do they do in order to go ahead, to, to go about trying to create that connection? That's is right. It- yeah, is this a spiritual thing at that point? I mean, from my perspective, it would be like you can find that from God. But how would you go yeah, about yeah, addressing yeah. that? Yeah, thank you, thank you. The, let me start from the second one: um, 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 the sense of God and sense of wholeness. Right. Uh, Some about seventeen eighty three. You remember Rene Descartes? I I think therefore I exist. Right. There's a context to that. That, that was the beginning of fragmentation of man. A compromise was made at that time. For the first time in history, mm-hmm. mankind or humankind was broken to spirit, mind, and body. It didn't exist before that. Before that was a human being. Together, right. So for, for spirit, go to church. Body, get them to the field. But we love mind. That's how even the psychotherapy to this day, we think we need to talk about mind. Sure. So part of the being whole to know Everything we do is just one being. Even mind, body, spirit, scientifically, is incorrect. Mm. We are just one being, and all of these are together. All Mm. at each point, we are a spiritual being, we are an intellectual being, and we are physical being. Once we know that there's not a single thing we do that is not a spiritual, Mm. there's not a single thing we do that is not intellectual or physical. So when we want to find from I belong, the very first thing to know that we are whole. Mm-hmm. That I belong, the first belonging starts with I belong to me. Mm-hmm. Okay. Sense of I belong starts with I know my boundaries. People who struggle with I belong, they basically have needy attachment. Will you go out with me? Will you love me? Will you date me? And so on. And they become very clingy individuals. Mm-hmm. But they're struggling with, they don't have a sense of themselves. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Find you, you belong of trauma that really puts us in a state of fight or flight and survival. Find you, befriend yourself. And in that context, reach out to other people, neighbors, or anybody, or even to God, and find you that you're never alone. You, you always belong. Mm-hmm. But belonging is start to know that you're in a home, protect the home, honor yeah. the home, mm-hmm. and then be very thoughtful with the other person. Who do you want to invite to your home, and who do you need to kick out, out of the home? There are a lot of people, in fact, there are 
women them they're all they're always women in relationship that they are abuser relationship that you know they give their soul away to be to be loved by somebody who is in a very dependent relationship find you mm-hmm. find yourself claim yourself and invite the person that is right for you to create the right i belong relationship Oh, I love that. So, um, and before I kind of get into the questions for some of the others, one of the things that you just said is that if we're all integrated body, mind, spirit, and it's all one thing, it's not just one thing that's always kind of baffled me with respect to mental, emotional things is that it's like, there's a chicken or egg situation. Sometimes there can be a physiologic problem to start. And then it seems to manifest as mental, emotional, like dysfunctional thoughts, but sometimes it goes the other way. How do we know where to begin the process? Is it physical? I love that question. Yeah. So they're all related. So you always follow the energy. Mm, Okay. And energy is the pain. So what is interesting, Mm -hmm. (laughs) oh my God, this is so interesting. So so I used to work in healthcare. So Mm -hmm. this, this is good data point. Um, uh, Kaiser Permanente, which you know is one of the largest healthcare organizations. So one of my last projects before I left the organization was in the primary care department that they were trying to come up with them with a better solution for the following problem. What is the problem that across the Kaiser Permanente footprint every day in adult units, up to one third of patients, up to one third, their ailments they came for, it was based upon depression. One third, you're talking about, I don't know the number, but talk about tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands, people come there for psychosomatic ailment related. But when the primary care doctors, doctors say that there's nothing wrong with them, we've done all the testing, MRI, these are all, when we look at them, these are depressed patients, professionals. So pain is a very powerful indication of emotion suppressed. Mm-hmm. Whatever we suppress here, we express in our bodies. That's mm-hmm. So you follow the pain. Mm-hmm. You follow the energy. So the way you do that, you help people to see their pain is not something you go take medication, you go numb it. This is also where addiction, drug, the, these are, uh, addiction is diversion for a pain that it hurts so much that you just need to numb it. So part of that is inviting the person to honor their pain. Your body is speaking to you. Your body is holding a message for you. Yeah. What is that message coming from your soul, from your heart? Yeah. Any people that you see them, they have, I, t- I tell people, it's not your depression is about broken hearts. Mm-hmm. not broken brain or bre- or imbalanced chemistry. Mm-hmm. You are hurting mm-hmm. and you know it. Right. Go there and bring your pain in the context of your being. Mm-hmm. And what you will see, as I've seen my therapy, you see the pain is start to break down, gradually changes and gradually dissolve and goes away. Mm-hmm. That pain is expression. Mm-hmm. And once you bring the pain... The story of the body, the story of you and your soul and your heart, mm-hmm. the whole thing starts to become a fuller person. It's integrated, yeah. So, and that kind of brings me to back to the idea of like, does it start in your body? Does it start in your mind? Your I am boundless. 
the idea of your all of these things are expressed through your body. There was a, another yeah. book I read recently that con, that brought the concept of the body budget to yeah. my mind. And that was kind of an eye-opening idea to me that there's only so many ways that your body can express emotion and you get to decide what they mean, but it might be that there's a physiologic cause underlying, but it might not. So you kind of covered that one with, with that concept of of making sure that you're integrated. Am I getting that right? It it is. It's integrated. And the part about it is always follow the energy, whatever comes up, because that, by inviting the clients, mm-hmm. follow the energy, you're inviting them to be in the here and now and integrating. Yeah. What happens with a lot of current psychotherapy, we go into narrative. Tell me what happened back then. You almost intellectualize, take them to different places. Right. People know, follow their, their they're telling their story with their, with their body, with the pain right now. Invite them in. Then when people settle, says, and you know that happened, this happened. Healing is about integrating, mm-hmm. is to be made whole. Yes. So by listening, bringing the pain in the body, gradually all parts of the person come together and that's what healing happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so that sounds like you're alluding to the I am complete component right. of it. So with that, if somebody feels like they're stuck in the past and they're constantly reliving a PTSD patient or something. Yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. So how do they get out of that cycle? Wonderful, wonderful. Into the moment. Wonderful, thank you. So PTSD, trauma, the, the core element of that is based upon emotional freeze. Mm-hmm. So let me describe what is going on. This is some of the areas that came actually from the science of the trauma centers, pain clinics, and in fact, veteran affairs hospitals. We are uh, soldiers who come from really horrific situations and they have PTSD. So when we have, we deal with overwhelming emotional experiences, mm-hmm. four things happen. One is a sense of fight. You start, don't do that, throw punch, get your machine gun, scream, so on, fight. It's it's very healthy. The other one, flight, you take off, get out of here. Or just, you know, saying that I'm here, but I'm not going to pay attention. You know, basically that in them. The other one is that appease. You basically, I will do anything you want. Just, you know, uh, we give you like an indifferent face. I just will put up with this uh, them to get along, to go along, you know, so th- that part of that. The most consequential one is freeze. Freeze is that suddenly you go to the emotional, almost right. that you get stuck. This happens when we have, we, we get rear-ended, when you fall down from the bicycle, when we are in a bomb blast, or when we experience PTSD, child abuse, neglect, or being hurt. You go to a state of freeze, and freeze means that our nervous system become overwhelmed to process information. Number one, overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. The next things happen when our body has a lot of energy in it. We trauma. Body is designed to release trauma's energy. Body is designed to act something, do something, fight, fight. In those situations, people don't do anything. They basically freeze. That turns to trauma and PTSD. Mm-hmm. 
PTSD means there's a lot of energy stuck in the body that hasn't been released. PTSD is not about what happened to you. It means the volume of the energy that is stuck in you. That's what flashback comes in. Something you see, something you smell or sight, it remembers. So the way you work with PTSD, doing a lot of tell me what happened to you, what you were actually is not only is not helpful, you re-traumatize people, which a lot of therapists do. With PTSD and to some of the work um, I do with um, clients, in fact, most of them are women that with their child abuse, uh, early, uh, like even like cesareans um, for child delivery, or it means their body still is waiting to close an emotional loop. Mm-hmm. So when freeze happened, we lose a part of ourselves is about a sense of agency mm-hmm. that I can take care of myself. I can defend myself. I can express myself. So the way you heal with PTSD or what is overwhelming, you help people settle in their five senses, being here and now, smell, mm-hmm. sound, and so on. In an empathic relationship with a therapist or a coworker or a partner, you feel sense of connected. Mm-hmm. And then agency and invite them what would be helpful to you right now. In this moment, could be a tiniest piece Mm -hmm. that you can do something opposite about what happened to you. Mm -hmm. For example, a client of mine who, for her first child, she went through cesarean, which was complicated. She was basically, um, she was under anesthesia. and she came out of the operating room. There was another surgery was supposed to happen. So they put her on the hallway next to ICU and they left her alone. All she remembers, she delivered the baby. She was groggy. She could understand. And she was on the hallway. She still felt the pain because anesthesia was wearing out and nobody was paying attention to her. And she just felt so alone. And so her body was aching for years after that so every time she t- and she's in healthcare business every mm-hmm. time she taught doctor hospital she would she remember physical pain yeah so the work we did she dealt with abandonment that i mean pain nobody came and put her their hand on her says are you okay we are here you're not alone and the thing she wanted to say i'm hurting i need more medication you know like where's my baby so the, the whole thing so what we did at, in our work, helping her to say the things she wanted to say at that point. Mm, okay. Giving her back her voice. Yeah, Getting her voice. This is me. I'm hurting. I'm alone. Is somebody watching after me? And as she was doing, her body was basically all this energy. She, a couple of times in our session, it was on Zoom. She was vomiting because she wanted to do that at that point. But she, that vomit was almost like, you know, crudiness that she wanted to throw away. All this medication was still on her throat. But so part of that, find and cleanse your body, get your voice back and move the energy out of your body. Interesting. So, so PTSD is about releasing the energy that is waiting for an action to close. Got it. Interesting. Wow. 
Okay. And so the concept of I matter, I'm assuming yes. based on what you've said thus far, that this is largely about accepting that we matter to ourselves, that we matter to a greater power, we matter to God. Is that the concept? Is it is a matter. And the sense that we all own and bestow and receive sense of dignity. Mm-hmm. Our society, basically, we see people, we pull ranks in corporation, you know, your executive and your staff, you know, with who is who and doing what. In the eyes of God, divine, you're all the same. Right. Amen. You're all the same. You're all great. You're all great. There's no king or there's no pauper. You're all great. Right. I matter. There's a sense of greatness. Mm-hmm. And what that means, that's how you look at the person. Wherever you are, any place you are, that you are amazing, you belong around this table, Mm -hmm. your voice, your scene, your honor, your space that we give and receive that for each other, including our children. Mm -hmm. Dad knows best, let me tell you what you need to do, versus no, you have a voice, a part of me coming out of my darkness. Realize my son didn't need advice that much for me. He's doing great, better than me. He just wanted to be seen and respected by me. Mm-hmm. And for me, giving a space to figure things out, you know, that I matter is about giving a space for each person claiming your being. Yeah, awesome. And so kind of both of the I make and I soar seems to go together in terms of the concept of purpose. Like, so this, yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah, Abraham Maslow's hierarchy of needs is what I'm thinking of. That's right. That's right. Of doing something important. So how do people go about finding the thing that they're made for? I mean, that's such a big question. So follow your struggles. Okay. Follow your struggles. Your struggles are your gift. Okay. The struggles are your gift. And then again, just like anything else, follow the energy. You know, like for example, for me, all these years, I thought I'm not going to be a therapist, but things were around me, the struggles I had. I was trying to figure out why are people hurting? Mm-hmm. Why are therapy models and practices really don't help people? Yeah. We help, they help cope with their way of being, but people don't come out of therapy. You know, they keep, I went over the years to seven psychotherapists myself, psychiatrists, medications. So things would get better than different situation. I was back to a different therapist. So I was thinking that's not a good investment. You know, like, you know, is there a way to heal people so they can learn the healing themselves? So if you want to find out about eyesore, see what you are right now, where your energy, what are, what is what is cruddy in your life, what is messy, what are the struggles, where your energy goes, what do you find fascinating, what do you say, you know, I hate that. Mm-hmm. Those are all data points. Those are our data points. There's one practice that I have, which all my clients do. Mm-hmm. Is create for one month mosaic of your life. So this is what it looks like. Get a wall in your house, get a notebook, uh, or get a bunch of paper. For one month, on daily basis, whatever comes to your field of attention, you see a picture, you see a leaf on the ground. You know, like right now, Dr. Devil, if you see... This is the bird's nest that I f- found right outside my office. I love nature. So I, so see 
pictures, words in newspaper, social media, cut it, print it, uh, gather it, put it on this wall, or it can be platform for one month. Come every now and then and see that and move it around. Like organize it by theme. What you will see very soon, there's a story about where your attention goes. And that your attention, instead of just saying that uh, I want to do this for the rest of my life, could be the next few months, could be the next few years. Your attention, you may not realize it, always scan the world in a very predictable and pattern-based fashion. The sooner you know that, the sooner you can hone in your sense of what draws you in. Yeah, that definitely makes sense. So in your niche, almost, it seems like, is the high achievers. Was that because that's you and because that's the people that you were around? Or what was it that drew you specifically to that group with respect to anxiety and depression? Thank you. Yes, it's partly because me, the the bigger reason is those are the people actually they're suffering the most. Mm, Really? So we know from the research, executives, high achievers, entrepreneurs, they have three to uh, two to three times higher rate of anxiety, depression, ADHD, uh, bipolar issues, um, substance abuse, and suicide than general population. And so... And when you tell that to people, it says, so deal with it. You know, you're making all that money. You know, don't tell me you're depressed. Uh-huh. The reason is, the reason is the high achievers, they learn to ignore their feelings. In our Western society, we glamorize resiliency. Resiliency, the skill of bouncing back. You have a setback. You figure it out. You learn from it. You come out and then you go on again. That's what high achievers do. They are successful. They have a house on the hill. They have great cars, great spouses. And they feel that, what do you mean I'm depressed? You know, I'm doing very well. But when you get to know them, you realize there are so many body ailments. There's so many medication, pain medication, substance abuse, and other issues they're just struggling with. So we see high achievers as thoroughbred horses that they are meant to be magnificent and run fast but we don't realize they pay a price for that and part of my work is that telling high achievers you're struggling and it's okay in fact if you're struggling means you're not really high achieving you're just going 60 percent of your power if you get to know your emotional rights and how you made up and what you're suffering, you can go even not only further, faster, but you can help others as well. So it's about really awakening a blindness we have about people who are doing very well and we think they are happy and wonderful. They are not. Many of them are grieving in private and they don't know it. Yeah, that's definitely, definitely. So what have I not asked you that you think is important to leave with our audience? Maybe. What do I do right now? Mm-hmm. Right this second. Um, so an invitation for you, dear audience, anywhere you are in this world, the very first thing is that to know that if there are pain, you struggle, a sorrow, or a broken heart, it doesn't mean you're broken. It means you have a life. 
It means that you are experiencing life. The sheer fact of knowing your pain is the first step toward healing. Second, if you're struggling, what it really means, I put all the fancy language of psychologists aside, what it means are some basic human needs that didn't get fully formed, shaped for you the way you wanted it. And there's nothing wrong with that. Whether sense of you wanted to belong, to be loved more, a sense of being honored, sense of being part of the uh, part of the uh, relationships, a sense of you know like releasing some of your past traumas that go there and there's some restoration. Healing is about restoration. Things that didn't get fully formed for you and you start from there. Yeah. So honor your pain. Your pain will guide you home. Your pain is an invitation of you to you and it's not affliction. Our emotional struggles are not causes, they're consequences. Go upstream and awaken yourself. Yeah, absolutely. And that's the whole concept behind naturopathic medicine as well. Yes. Is symptoms are your body's attempt to deal with something. They are not yes. the problem. Your body right. sucks. It's trying that's to right. it's trying to fix the problem. Absolutely. That's right. That's right. Sure. So where can people go to learn more about you? Uh, thank you. So uh, you can uh, just go um, on the web, type my name, all sort of information come up. And uh, and if you go um, to humanworkstudio.com, www.humanworkstudio.com, uh, um, and you will see my website. And then the last one is if you go to Amazon, um, my book, you are not depressed. You are unfinished. And um, then it came out in May, became an Amazon new release bestseller. And people write me and say that unfinished. I get it. That's me. So um, they, that's where the, they can find me. And my hope for you, it took me 30 years to realize what was going on with me, you know, in terms of coming out of my own darkness. I hope this you can do this a lot faster. If there's struggle, don't use your struggle for your betterment. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. We'll link to that, to your website and your book and the show notes. And thank you, Dr. Moran. This has been wonderful. Dr. Deville, thank you so much. I love it. Thank you. Are you looking for a holistically minded healthcare practitioner who truly treats root cause rather than symptom suppression? Unfortunately, even in the alternative healing professions, this isn't a given. That's why I've created wholehealthdoctor.com, a resource to help connect patients to healthcare practitioners in their area who share a root cause philosophy. Alternatively, most of the practitioners listed also practice telehealth. So if there isn't anyone local to you, you can still find a great practitioner to help you regain optimal health. Go to wholehealthdoctor.com. That's whole healthdr.com, type in your location or adjust the specialty that you're looking for and find the practitioner who's right for you. Thanks for listening to Christian Natural Health. This show is run by you. So please write in with topic and guest suggestions for future shows. For more great content, subscribe to Dr. Lauren's blog at www.drlaurendeville.com or follow her on Facebook or Twitter at Dr. Lauren DeVille. If you enjoyed the show, don't forget to share it with your friends and give us a five-star rating in iTunes. It really helps us to stand out so other people can discover great content as well. 
Have a great week and God bless you. Finding uplifting news in today's headlines is often like searching for a needle in a haystack. At the Story Behind podcast, we believe in the power of finding heartwarming tales and are happy to share empowering stories with you every week. Hear about how Steve Harvey surprised a dying man on Family Feud with $25,000. Get inspired by the note a waitress received from a patron dining alone. And even hear about how one VIP passenger made a hardworking pilot get emotional before his flight. To start listening to the Story Behind podcast, visit lifeaudio.com or search Story Behind on your favorite podcast platform.